Well, it is very good to be here today, and uh, it's my first time to uh, to be here with you all. And I'm very glad to be here. That song made me think that uh, I do look forward to that day when we get to see so many that we know that have gone before. And as you mentioned, I have traveled uh, quite a bit in Virginia and Florida and Illinois and Ohio and all over the country, out to Oregon several times. And uh, it always makes me sad when I leave because I have such good friends everywhere I seem to go. But it's also comforting when I come to a church such as this where I don't know any of you all that I know of. But I can count most of you as my friend. And I don't have to wait till that day because I feel it here. And that's a wonderful thing. I hope that you feel it too. I hope when you come together you feel it. And I just have to mention, uh, my wife and I are currently uh, members at uh, Grace Missionary Baptist Church at Ocana. And we sometimes meet in a rented building and we sometimes meet in a home. Because we don't have a permanent four walls. But it's nice to see how many are here today. It blesses my soul to see who all is here and the number that are, that are here today. If you'd like to turn with me, I want to look at Peter, First Peter. First Peter, I want to start with chapter 2. So First Peter, chapter 2, begin our reading today. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye tested that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works." which they shall behold, glory, glorifying God 
in the day of visitation. And the key verse that I would like to focus on today is going to be number 5. Let me read it again. Ye also as lively stones are built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And what I want to focus on today with the Lord's help and to look at is what it means to be and to have a spiritual sacrifice. If we look around in our world today at many, many religions, we see a focus on the sacrificing of physical things. We see a focus of sacrificing perhaps uh, physically one's body. We see a focus of uh, giving a certain amount of money. We see a focus of sacrificing the worldly things for a cause. And one of the distinctions that makes our Lord so unique is while He clearly wants the sacrifice of our bodies, as it says in Romans 12, our Lord wants the sacrifice of our spirit. And that caused me great, a great pause because as I began to think about this and wonder what is the difference between sacrificing something spiritually and sacrificing something physically. And as I began to look, I realized uh, that there are uh, two different types of sacrifices uh, that we have examples of in the Old Testament. The first would be an atoning sacrifice. This is where we had sacrificing of animals. The rams and the sheep. The blood of the bull. Those were sacrifices that were made to cleanse from sin. And every time someone would sin, they had to sacrifice an animal to make repentance for that sin that they had in their lives. And the priests would go yearly and offer sacrifices for all the people to help cover their sins. And they had to do this as a penalty of sin. And we see this example set down from the very time that Adam fell. And what had to happen to cover their shame and their nakedness? An animal had to be sacrificed through no fault of its own. It had to die to cover the nakedness of Adam. That is both true metaphorically and physically, to cover their nakedness and their shame that they felt before God. The absence of the fellowship, you see, that's what sin does, is it separates us from a fellowship with God. And in the Old Testament, the only way to overcome that was with a physical sacrifice of an animal. And we call that an atoning sacrifice. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see over and over again entire chapters with detailed instructions on when this is to happen, how it is to happen, and what it's supposed to cost those who must give the sacrifice. We also see detailed instructions of who is supposed to do it. There's a priesthood set forth in the Old Testament, a model of people who are descendants of a certain tribe, and they are to give the sacrifices before the Lord. They are the only ones who are allowed to enter the Holy of Holies and give certain sacrifices on certain days. And there are instructions for how to do that. We also see another type of sacrifice. This would be the non-atoning sacrifice. Our sacrifices of grain. Our sacrifices of praise that we are instructed or have seen and modeled in the Old Testament to give as well. This is not to cover our sins, but merely to be a thanksgiving to God and to recognize His love and His power and that we ought to worship and serve Him. And so the people were asked to give of themselves something to sacrifice to the Lord to show their love and commitment to Him.
And so as I looked at these two sacrifices, a few things jumped out at me. One is, if it's going to be a sacrifice, it has to be something that costs us something. Think about apologies, and I'll just use my children for example. And I'll talk about myself as well. Sometimes we tell our children, tell your sister you're sorry. And the answer is, sorry. They didn't mean it. How many times have you done the same? Whether younger or even older, you give a half-hearted apology, you don't really mean it. In the same sense, we can have a sacrifice that we give to the Lord, but if it doesn't really cost us anything, it's not really been a sacrifice. I almost think this is why we call our tithes and offerings an offering and not a sacrifice. It doesn't cost us everything to give an offering usually. We don't often give everything we have as a sacrifice. Yet I think we should. I think that is what the Lord demands of us is that we give something of value. And many times in our society and our culture, what I want and hope to bring out in this is the one thing we keep back from God from sacrificing is our spirit. We keep back our mind. We may very easily give up our money. We may give up our time to volunteer for good and holy and righteous things. We may sacrifice things so that we can come to church. But we very rarely sacrifice our spirit and our mind. We like to hold that back. Another thing about sacrifices, if you look at the Old Testament, they were pure. You couldn't give a blemished sacrifice. If the lamb was born with spot or with blemish or with defect, it would not be sacrificed to the Lord. It had to be something that was pure and holy, you see. And it must be something that's permanently given. Not something we expect to give, get back. When the families for generations after generations took a lamb to the altar, it was not coming back. It cost them something dearly. It was permanent and it was important to them. We have some good news though. You should turn with me to Hebrews. I want to read Hebrews. And I'm going to read a few verses in this too. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 27. And if you bear with me, I think this is important to read. And I may have to pause midway through. Hebrews chapter 10. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. I already have to pause. What I'm just telling you is everything I just mentioned about Old Testament sacrifices was only temporary. Every single year they had to come back before the Lord and to offer another sacrifice for their atoning to cover the sin so they could have a relationship with the Lord. They had to do this every single year. It was never, ever permanent. And all of these rules and regulations set down in the Old Testament were a shadow and a figure of the thing to come. A calling forward, a looking forward unto Christ when He would come. Amen. Continue. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. 
Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written unto me, to do thy will, O God, above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. What he is saying here is that when Christ came, he knew exactly why he was coming. He came to be the one and only sacrifice that we have to have to have permanent forgiveness of sin. Christ knew this from the very beginning. The Bible tells us from the foundation of the world, the plan was for Him to come to be our sacrifice, our atoning sacrifice, to allow us to come together with God. (coughs) He said, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. He's going to take away the first sacrificial law to establish the second. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. This is an amazing and wonderful thing. I wish we understood better. I wish we realized what you had to do every year to do a a physical sacrifice in the Old Testament. That you had to travel to the temple. That you had to have a lamb. And if you didn't, you had to buy one. And you had to give it to the priest. And the priest had to follow a certain ritual. And had to place his hands on the head of the animal, transferring your transgressions and your sins to that animal, and then sacrificing that animal before the Lord at the altar. Imagine, with millions of people, the amount of blood that was necessary. Imagine what a messy thing that would be when in certain places at certain times the priest would take his finger and dip it in the blood and sprinkle it on the altar. Have you ever thought of what that must look like after hundreds or thousands upon thousands of animals have been sacrificed? Our sin costs us dearly. Our sin, it costs us separation from the Lord and it takes a tremendous amount to overcome that. And in fact, the Scriptures tell us here it can only be overcome temporarily with the blood of animals. It can never be quenched. God's anger and wrath at our failure to love Him, at our failure to obey Him, costs us dearly. And the only thing that can bring us back together is the sacrifice of the pure and holy Lamb. That is Christ Jesus. It took the very Son of God to be sent to earth to walk just like we do and have the same trials and same tribulations Oh, you may sit here today and think what you're going through and what you're struggling with and what you're tempted by is hard. And it may be. Christ dealt with the same things. Amen. He may never have had to worry about what you did on a computer. He may never have had to worry about the things that we watch on television or the books that we read or the things that we have access to. But He was tempted in the same way. Amen. And He overcame all of it because He is the Son of God. And He came that once and for all He would be the supreme sacrifice forever. That no more would we need to be separated from God. We can come together with one sacrifice for all eternity. As we mentioned this morning, it is a sacrifice that those in the Old Testament look forward to, and it's a sacrifice that we in the New World look back to. We see Him as the one supreme being who had to come to be sacrificed, who had to spill His blood physically for me. And for you. Well, we cannot be restored unto the Lord. In verse 11 it says, And every priest standeth daily 
ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins as I just said. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins sat down at the right hand of God. I like the song that we just sang. I truly do. But I think it misses something. I look forward to seeing some folks. I look forward to seeing my relatives who've passed on. I look forward to seeing some church members who've gone on before. But I look forward to seeing the one man who saved my life and sat down at the right hand of God finish with it. That's what I look forward to. That one day when I can go here and I can say, I know you, and He will say, I know you. It has to work both ways. You can have the knowledge of God. You can say, I know who He is and I know who Christ is and I understand from a factual basis who He is, but until He looks at you and looks in your heart and says, I know you, it doesn't matter what you think you know. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds I will write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Can you imagine that? Think about all the things you've done in your life. The Bible tells us there is no secret among God. He knows your heart. He knows everything you've ever thought. You can't hide from Him anything. It doesn't matter what you think you did when no one was looking and maybe no one on earth will ever find out. He was there when you did it. And if you're saved, He doesn't remember. Is that not encouraging to us? Is that not a wonderful blessing that we get from the sacrifice that He has made? By a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one to another and provoke unto love to do good works. This is exactly what we ought to be doing. We ought to gather together and we ought to consider the wonderful things that the world that the Lord has done for us. We ought to consider the things that we see in the Word. We ought to come together and do this. We ought to consider it and we must also do good works because of it. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. I want to pause there. I mentioned I wanted to talk about spiritual sacrifices today, and I still do. I want to just lay out for you the idea that our sins cost us something. I wanted you to try and understand why there were physical sacrifices before He came and why we no longer need to sacrifice animals. I wanted you to understand that if you are saved by God's grace, you are a priest, which means you are now able to access God one-on-one. Amen. And you can approach Him. And you can offer and ought to offer, as we will see, ourselves as sacrifices for Him. Not in the same way that so many religions do, saying you have to spend X amount of dollars or you have to live in abject poverty, but in the heart, in the internal ways, we are to sacrifice ourselves to God. So what do we sacrifice? 
I want to look at Psalms for a minute. Very familiar verse. Psalms 51. Many of you, if you've been in many of our congregations, will have no doubt heard this verse many times. Psalms 51, 13 through 15. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall ring aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth, and show forth thy praise. When we consider how we can sacrifice and give a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord today, we can do it with praise. Sister, I'm glad you said what you said. I hope that you meant it internally. Because sometimes we can just do things out of repetition. But I love the fact that when felt led, that our churches will often allow their members to stand up and say what they want to. To express and to say thank you to the Lord who saved their soul. Amen. But that's really hard sometimes. Because sometimes pride catches us, doesn't it? Somehow we think maybe, well, I've always grown up this way, so maybe I deserve it. (laughs) Well, that's certainly not true. We ought to sacrifice ourselves by giving praise to the Lord. Are we quick to do it at home? Are we quick to do it at work? Are we quick to do it any other time? I will be the first one to confess and say I don't. I do a horrible job at this. Very rarely do I share with someone after something good has happened and praise the Lord for it happening. I fail to sacrifice my praise to the Lord. Let's continue reading that. We'll see another sacrifice. Verse 16, it says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Broken spirit. This is really the first spiritual sacrifice you have to give. I wish I could tell you and explain to you the details and the moment by moment, the split second point at which you are saved. I am unable to do that other than to say it is a supernatural experience between you and between the one who made you. But somewhere in that point, you have to get to the point that you sacrifice your heart to God. You have to be humble enough to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I have wronged you for my entire life. And to pour your heart out and sincerely beg for forgiveness. Amen. Amen. I did that. Kind of. I was about nine years old. Because I knew what I was supposed to say. And I knew what every nine-year-old and up wants to do is to go to heaven. So I prayed and I said the things that I knew I was supposed to say. And I considered myself saved. No one fooled me. No one tricked me my entire life. But then when I was 18, (laughs) when I was 18, I remember sitting under a sermon of a Southern Baptist preacher at a Catholic campus. And he preached to me like it was me. What does that mean? The Lord got a hold of me. And He revealed to me in my life by one simple passage, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy strength, and thy might. I had never really done that. 
I've been to church my entire life. I did an internship in high school with my youth pastor. I did everything right. I had no gross sins in my life. But I had never really loved God with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. And as I left that service that night, I walked with a group of three or 400 people. And I walked till I couldn't walk anymore. And I fell to my knees and I begged for forgiveness. And I remember praying in a puddle of tears, thinking to myself, why am I asking for forgiveness? I've already been forgiven. I never sacrificed my heart till that night. I'd never truly been broken before the Lord and really earnestly seen who I was the way that He sees me. Which is a sinner separated from Him, yet lovable enough that He came to die for me. And it was at that moment that I was saved that I got up and I was a different person. If you've not experienced that in your life, if you've not experienced that change, then you don't have the Lord. And He doesn't know you. You may know all about Him. You may have grown up in church. You may have done everything you think right in your life. But He will say, I don't know you when you get to that city that we sang about. And you will not get to see the ones you've left behind. And most importantly, as I mentioned, you will not get to see the one who's sitting on the throne. And He will send you to hell. Because that is the punishment for sin, you see. That is what happens when His sacrificial blood is not applied to your heart and to your life. You are eternally separated from God here and forever after. Amen. It's a dangerous place to be. And so we must make sure, we must ensure that we have a broken spirit before the Lord. That is our sacrifice to Him. And for those of us who are here who have experienced that once, if you've never experienced something similar to that again, consider Now, I've never had the same experience again. I believe that that one time I was saved, those feelings that I had then, the truth and the knowledge, the way the Lord touched my life, has never and never will happen to me again because I was saved that single momentary time. And nothing can take that away. But for those of us who've been saved for several years or for many years, have you had a broken spirit again? Do you come to your revivals broken over the sins of others? Do you go to your friends and your neighbors and your family members broken hearted about their sins? Do you give everything up to the Lord and say, I want to help. I want to do something. Have you sat in your quiet time and prayed like you've not prayed in a long time for others? If not, we are not sacrificing our hearts to God. You see? We're being disobedient. It happens once one way and it'll never happen again. Brothers and sisters, it should happen over and over again after this. We should constantly be seeking the Lord to lay our lives down, to sacrifice our spirit, to sacrifice our heart for Him. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you can't physically go out and sacrifice your body, as Paul talks about, to help other Christians or other people who are not. You can sacrifice your heart every day. You can go before the Lord and lay it down. We also should give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And Psalms 107.22 says, And let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare His words with rejoicing. Too many times I think this is missing in many of our churches. Too many times I feel that we don't give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. We give a long list of prayer requests and then 
often forget to thank God when they're answered. Or even when we haven't been praying for something and we are tremendously and powerfully blessed, we often forget to say thank you. We forget to praise His name. And we simply come to church and say, well, we need this and we need this. Do you see how this works for our souls? For who we are deep down inside as people? My body is flawed. It is full of sin. And it takes effort to overcome it. This is why I said a sacrifice is giving up of something that you don't want to. Something that has value to it. You have to overcome it. You have to give God the the praise and the thanksgiving for all that happens in your life. And too many times, we simply skip that part. And I think it harms us in our relationship with the Lord. Too many times, the only time we give thanksgiving is when we eat. And even then, it's a trivial thank you for the food. Have you thanked God recently? It'll humble you. When you really start to seek and see what you should be thankful for, you'll be surprised at what the Lord has done for you. And that will draw you closer and closer and closer to a relationship with Him. And you will see more and more and more that you need to be thankful for. And you will become closer in one with God. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. I believe uh, verse 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. I will confess I do that not enough. I really think much of this has to do with pride. Because somehow we think that we're deserving of the blessings that we've received. Or we think that we somehow had a hand in it. It's one of my biggest issues, I will be honest and forthright with you, that I have in my life, is I too quickly tend to think that somehow I accomplished something. That somehow it was my hard work that got me the job that I have. Or it was somehow something that I did. It's raising children. It's not the way it works. And the more time we spend reflecting on this, the more time we realize our utter failure to do anything good, which is what the scripture says, the more we realize it is God who works in us to will and to act according to His good pleasure. And the more thankful we will be. But again, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give it up. I want to be proud of what I've accomplished and not thankful to the one who allowed me. If we continue reading in Hebrews 13 and 16, it says, But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, as I said, many, many, many other religions get this one okay. They know that we should do good. That we should always be wanting to do good to other people. The problem is they forget the spiritual side as well. I don't know if anyone in here has ever tried to do a fast. Maybe you have. There's two parts of that, you know. One is denying the physical body, and the other is focusing on the Lord. I will admit to you the few times in my life that I have tried to fast, I've done okay physically. I've gone without the food, and I've made it through. But I forget to do the other part. 
That's the part we have to sacrifice. That's the part that costs us something is to get our mind focused on the Lord. We can very easily do good things physically and forget to do them spiritually. The Lord is not pleased with that. He needs both our hearts and He wants our hands. He wants us to do good things. I want to talk about one other thing um, that that really hit me <clears throat> shortly before I came up here. I want to look at Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Philippians 4, 8 9, you can turn there, but you're going to know it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are good, report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just a few close friends that I have. But when I consider making a spiritual sacrifice to God, this is the most difficult for me. To not fill my mind with idle, useless things. My body, my mind, desires like I can't even explain to get information and to get knowledge and to spend time reading things, to spend time doing things, to spend time thinking about things that don't fit this category. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying you can just not have a job. Or that you can't think about how you're going to get from here to there or how you're going to cook dinner for the family that comes over. The issue is, that begins to consume our life like nothing else. And before you know it, all you think about is things of the world. The carnal things. And you have failed to sacrifice your spiritual mind to the Lord. To give Him what is hard to give. Everything that you are. To love Him. To think about the things. And I want you to understand, I don't think this is just talking about sin. It's not in my life. A couple of weeks ago, through a series of sermons by two different preachers, and God revealed to my life an area that I needed to work on. And you know, on the outside, it was good things. I was listening to recordings, to books, talking about economics and, and law and philosophy, things of good nature and of good report. They were okay things. There was nothing in it that was sinful, except for the fact that I wasn't giving to God, and I wasn't thinking about what is lovely, what is pure, what is holy. Well, what is that? It's God. Amen. You see? We can step outside and we can think about what a wonderful and beautiful day it is. And by all stretch of the imagination, it is a glorious day. But if we stop short there and fail to think about the God who made it, Amen. we're not honoring God. Amen. And we're not sacrificing ourselves. We're not sacrificing our mind to His glory. And we are not coming closer to Him. Rather, we begin to worship the things that He made. In our culture today, this is a serious problem. I struggle with it. I know you do too. I know you struggle with constantly thinking about maybe the video game that you're playing. Maybe the book that you're reading. Maybe the conversation you're having with a friend. Whatever it is, God wants all of you. And what happens when you give it over is you see Him everywhere. You see the people for who they are. 
your heart begins to break for them. And God can speak to you and lead you to what you're supposed to do to minister to these people. How you're supposed to reach them. But all too often we fail to sacrifice our hearts and our minds to God. And we begin to love the world. And we begin to think about things that may be okay. But they're not lovely. They're not pure. They're not a virtue. Because the only true thing that meets all those requirements is the Lord. So what is it today that you need to sacrifice? A spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. What is it? Where are you failing the Lord? And I want you to honestly consider that. Have you failed to praise Him like you ought to? My dear mother-in-law, who I love dearly, had a stroke a few years ago. And in the midst of this, in the rehab bed, the Lord told her, among other things, I want you to praise my name. And every time I go to a different church that she comes to, what does she do at the end? She stands up, she tells her short story, and she says, the Lord told me I have to praise His name, and I'm standing up today to praise His name. You know what? She doesn't want to do that every time. I can see it on her face. She feels silly now doing it over and over and over again, but it's what the Lord wants, and she is obedient to do it. Are you being obedient to what the Lord's told you to do? Are you praising His name like you should? Are you thankful for the things that you've given Him? Or are you too hung up in your self-pride to think that somehow you got the promotion? Or you got that car? Or you got the house? Or you had this friends? Whatever it is, are you too caught up in thinking that somehow you accomplished anything? And forgetting that it's God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure. Are you too caught up in the world? Are you too filling your mind with things that may not be a sin, but may not be what you ought to be filling them with? Are you focused on the Lord? Do you see the Son and the beautiful things and think of Him? Do you see other people who need help and see the Lord in them? Do you see other people who don't physically need help and see the Lord in them? I spent a a series of time a few years ago working researching really some poor and destitute people in Louisville, Kentucky. And you know what? Most of them knew their state. They knew they weren't living a great life. They knew they were struggling. And I would leave there late in the afternoon after having walked around with them hoping to pick up enough trash to recycle it to make enough to eat. And then I would go to my side of town. And I'd go to Target. And I'd walk around and I'd wonder to myself... There's no difference between the people walking around Target and the people picking up the trash on the other side of town. Spiritually, they are often in the exact same place, although outwardly you'd never know it. Where are you? Are you walking a good walk? Are you playing the game? Are you demonstrating to the world that you have arrived, that you have complete control? Or are you giving thanksgiving to God? Are you realizing that you have to think about the things that God has blessed you with and be thankful and share them with other people? Are you doing a good work? Or are you selfish? I can't answer any of these questions. That is between you and the Lord. But I rest assured standing here today knowing that some of you know exactly where it is. At some point today, many of you have a thought. Do not push that away. If the Lord nudged, spoke, screamed at you while you've been here today, don't put that away. 
I say the same to those who have to do this for the very first time. If you are here today and you have never truly humbled your heart before the Lord, you need to do that. If the Lord is calling you to do that, then you need to do that right away. Interrupt me. Come on up here. Get on the floor right there. The most important thing you will ever do in your entire life is to sacrifice yourself to God. To give Him complete control of who you are. To realize your utter state. To realize that without His application, without Christ's atoning sacrifice of Himself for you, you are lost here and you will be lost for all eternity, separated from God, separated from those who you may know who are saved. I don't know your hearts. For many, many years, I considered myself saved and never thought much about it. In fact, when I met my wife, we argued about it. Thought she was crazy. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, did I miss the point. Boy, did I let my arrogance and my pride get in the way. What is it that's in your way today? What is it that's in your heart that you need to give up? What do you need to sacrifice Maybe it's physical. It's probably not. It's probably here. It's probably here. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your state in life. There is more that we ought to do. I guarantee you, no one here today loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, their strength, and their might. But that is our one and most important command that we often forget and focus too much on all the others. So we'll get a song ready. I appreciate you allowing me to come today. I hope that God has spoken to you. I hope that He's told you what to do. Maybe you need to give thanksgiving for something. Maybe you just need to stand up and praise Him. Maybe you need to go to somebody else in here and love them. That's how the world knows who we are. It's our love for each other. It's a sacrifice for us to do that. You may not think it, but it is. Maybe you have too much pride in your life. Maybe you are doing things that are focusing too much on other things of the world and not focusing on whatever is good and pure and holy, which is the Lord. I pray today that as we have a song and we stand and we sing, that you think on these things and you do whatever it is that God has put in your heart to do today. I'll turn back over to you.